Welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. It's been a summer of intense transfer speculation, but don't worry everyone, I'm staying on after failing to agree terms with Guardian Football Weekly. For Stoke, it's not been a great pre-season for the anxious. There have been few signings, some high-profile departures, and we got mugged off by a second-tier German side. On the bright side though, perhaps a new youthful Stoke, spearheaded by a resurgent Josselu, will lead us to glory in 2017-18. In an age where every man and his dog now has a Stoke City podcast, we'll endeavour to be even more honest, insightful and articulate this coming season. That is, until we concede four at Everton and we all go into meltdown. Joining me to look ahead to the next season are Ben Cartwright. Good evening. I'm not sure if we even need to preview the season after that wonderful intro that you've just just come up with. That was amazing, Dave. Bravo. Thank you. And Chris (laughs) Brammer. Good evening, both of you. Oh, th- th- can you believe this? The season's come round this early. It doesn't seem doesn't seem that long ago we were talking about just being so bloody grateful the last season has ended, and <laughs> here we are again. Everton are on the horizon, uh, ready to ready to face us. Uh, I sort of want to get your sense of uh, how you think pre-season has gone. Obviously, there's a lot of anxiety around the Stoke fan base right now in regards to transfers. But in terms of like the results and the performances in the pre-season friendlies from what you've seen, what have you made of uh, Stoke this summer, Chris? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's been a bit of a, a mixed bag, hasn't it, really? Um, I think my, my overriding fear with how we've come across in pre-season is that the same laboured points we made last year of us not being fast enough, not being ju- just been lazy on the ball I feel that that's still there and I know it's pre-season and people you know, we, you can't expect them to be fully up to speed but then part of me does think well you've not, you've only had like a month off you don't forget how to play football um, so that, that's been I think one of the major concerns for me at least uh, to, to be positive with it I'm quite happy with seeing a lot of the young players coming in and being in and around the team I do think the likes of Tom Edwards um, have impressed uh, and so I think he's fully deserving of a place in the in the first team even if it is just on the bench and replacing Glenn Johnson whenever he's injured um, but no it's been it's been an odd odd mix and I started the preseason really really uh, optimistic and then and then Sheffield United beat us, and then we conceded four against St. Pauli, and I don't know, it just drags you back down to earth a little bit. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not as excited for Stokes' chances, but I'm glad to welcome football back. It's been such a confusing pre-season in my eyes. I honestly hardly know how I feel about it all. I felt pretty happy during the Bolton game, as as we sort of said afterwards, Dave, especially at the end. And right at the start for the first 15 minutes. Um, but then for the last few days I've been noticing sort of season previews of other establishments and pretty much all of them have, have tipped Bolton to go go down, um, straight back down to League One. So how much we can read from that is 
probably not a lot. Um, but in terms of sort of games we've played, I, I was happy with the amount of games we sort of we've played. We've had a lot of runouts for the team. Um, unfortunately, with the number of runouts um, increasing this pre-season, the quality of the performances, unfortunately, has not correlated with that. Um, because you would expect, after a number of games, a lot of game time, a lot of fitness work, you would hope that you would be able to beat a Bolton side quite easily without a strangely resurgent Hosolu coming on the pitch and even a second string 11 that visited Germany in the midweek would be able to dispatch a St Pauli or certainly not concede four goals. So it's quite confusing but there have been so many articles done that I've read over the years after every preseason that is the correlation of preseason results to the season. So I'm really trying to push that point every single podcast we're doing at the moment it's just that we don't know how it's yeah. going to turn yeah. out come Everton I think that's the big point but we're going to try and, and sort of mm. muddle through what has happened and, and I guess give that gives us a sort of an indicator of, of something at least yeah yeah I'm not re- I'm not reading anything into results I was just kind of wondering like how how you think uh how you think the team's shaping up as a whole really because mm. As you, as you mentioned, yeah, like just scraping past Bolton's not very good. Losing to Sheffield United's not very good. But at the same time, these are teams whose season starts a week before ours, so they're probably much more at it than we are in terms of fitness and things. But mm-hmm. what have you made of kind of the the general vibe from the friendlies? What have you made of Stoke tactically? Uh, do do you think that uh, Mark Hughes's tactics in the friendly so far indicate that we're going to definitely be playing uh, three at the back? I think I said actually on on one of the podcasts maybe a couple of weeks back I think I was asked what I wanted to see for the rest of the pre-season and we now sort of come right to the end of pre-season and and my answer to that question was for us to know by the end of the pre-season what system we were going to have in place for this season or or certainly against Everton and to be honest I, I still don't think it's set in stone I mean we don't have... I don't think we have enough centre-backs. We certainly don't have enough wing-backs to play the three-at-the-back formation, um, which we saw against Bolton, I think, because Eric Peters can't cross and Johnson is, is Glenn Johnson. So that issue still hasn't been resolved, which is mightily disappointed, in my my opinion. And, and and it's coming to the end of pre-season. We still haven't signed players. I mean, it, it's all well and good, um, the manager and whoever else coming out and saying, "Oh, we've got these players lined up," or we're certainly looking at players. But why is why have there been no deals done? We're a Premier League side with buckets, like bucket loads of cash, or we should we should have, and and we're not being able to to finish any deals. And is that not part of the problem though that that clubs know we have a bucket load of cash and, and clubs will be uh, slapping ridiculous fees on for players who who don't warrant those fees you know people see like oh they've just made their record ever sale in Marco Arnautovic they'll have more money to spend so this player who before this summer was probably worth about 5 million is now worth 10 the player's worth 10 million is now worth 20 so mm-hmm. uh, Tony Scholes I think after the St Pauli game said we, we've got big players that we're targeting we're targeting like high qual- highest quality players that we can attract realistically attract but these deals take time which is both frustrating and exciting at the same time because yeah it's great it's great we're we're after the highest caliber of player but then at the same time when we go so long without making 
high-profile signings. It just really frustrates. <laughs> uh, backs of pre-season, Chris. Um, uh, can I say, any- can I say something on that? Can I say something on that quickly? Just I don't want to. I don't want to. Sort of, I agree with you, and I don't want to be hyperbolic about it. But it's all well and good saying, "Oh, we're trying," but the the prices are too much. But how does it sound in a year's time if 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 we're relegated and then it's like oh sorry we were trying to sign oh, next he's player ma- he's but we the R words now because because they cost five million pounds too much I think at this at this stage it, that's what it is like that's not going to change that's not going to change in two weeks time that's not going to change in two years time probably like that is something that's going to happen if we want to be an established Premier League side so is is it, I, is it is it is it not good though that that there were tilting towards being a a team that spends its money sensibly a team that doesn't uh, just just pay the fee it can be tempting to think right we really need players we need players desperately how desperately we need these players we can probably discuss later but there's no blank checkbook yeah, it, involved it is good it, and it, it is good that is very very well done it's very moral and it's it's how this club should be run i think it should be however for that to happen, for us to be able to be in that position of being like, we don't need to spend that money, I think we need to have, a, have had a bit more forethought and signed left-backs and right-backs that are ready to develop into these players a couple of seasons ago. Not now when we desperately need a left-back or a right-back. Do you understand my point? Does that make sense? Yeah, because yeah. What was said in that one of the articles was that, oh, St. Pauli are going to be used when we buy a £3 million player and then a couple of years' time, there'll be a, an eight, £10 million player. They'll have developed. We don't have any of those players in our squad, really. Yeah, do we? I don't think we do, except for like the likes of Tom Edwards, maybe, and and Tymon and. Ramadan. Yeah, I, th- I think the situation with our squad at the moment is we we still have a lot of old players, and there's very few uh, sort of twenty three to twenty five year old type players. There's a lot of untested yeah. uh, ta- talent there. Uh, there's guys who are 18, 19 that we're quite excited about, but we don't know how good they are in the Premier League yet because they haven't played. I, I take your overall point about having a long-term strategy. Mm. I just kind of, I'm wary of the sort of panic buy. Uh, that, that's my big worry for, for the whole, the rest of the summer really, is that we might get to deadline day and think, <laughs> oh God, let's let's spend 50 million on Andros Townsend, you know. Oh God. But, uh, your, your, your overall point about... Um, Strategy, I think, is fair because it seems to me this summer that this is the first summer where Mark Hughes has been. Oh, we're going to blood the youth in this season. It's like, okay, but why weren't why wasn't that happening gradually over the last few seasons? Uh, Chris, back to you. I just wanted to talk about uh, going back to these preseason friendlies we've played. Are there any kind of standout players for you? Players uh, you're excited about seeing? Players who've uh, particularly impressed? The one that comes to mind is Imbula, but. That's oh, that's almost uh, held with a bit of uh, sadness because I just, as much as he's impressed me, I just don't believe he'll be in the starting eleven come Everton, and that's really sad, really, because I do think he has been the standout player of pre-season. Um, again, Darren Fletcher, I think, has done um, really well. Jocelyn as well, like for the for the last two games to come in and score a brace and um, that second goal against St Pauli was uh, bloody phenomenal and mm. he so yeah i think those three in particular have impressed me um there's been some players who've really not impressed me in pre-season um charlie adam being one and 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 ryan shawcross as well has been a bit suspect through through games this uh, pre-season but 
those three, Imbula, Fletcher and Yosalu, they've they've been the ones who I think have stood out for me. Oh, and Shakiri, Shakiri, obviously. We've got whole sections coming up called uh, Reasons to be Concerned and Reasons to be Cheerful. I've no, <laughs> d- I've no doubt uh, s- some of the players you mentioned will feature it in one or both of those categories. But um, you mentioned Imbula there. Uh, and uh, I, I know we are the pro Imbula podcast, but watching that St. Pauli game, I kind of, I, it wasn't an epiphany, but it was like, um, it kind of encapsulated why a lot of people don't like him for me. Uh-huh. Um, because he did the Sergi run type stuff, which is great in the first half. He looked very good. He he's, His distribution of the ball was very good. He was uh, very calm and uh, looked for the pass the right time. But in the second half, he kind of disappeared for me. And I think this is the thing with Imbula, full stop. What for, is he a good enough player to get away with not playing the full 90 minutes? Because even in games where he's been great, Watford, Middlesbrough, he hasn't been a full 90 minute player. Now, is that good enough for Stoke City? I think he's. I think he is good enough, um, and I think that in the St. Pauli game he suffered from having Charlie Adam at the side of him. I think that Imbula needs a strong defensive midfielder to play uh, to to allow him to do those marauding runs. Like we're not going to kid anyone that he's that he's a great defensive player. He he's not. Like that is a side of the game he needs to work on. But we don't have another one of those players who drives the ball forward from midfield. Um, he he is the only one who comes close to Stephen and Zonzi in that capacity, that ability to take the ball from back to front. I'm not saying that he's great at defending, and that is why he needs someone else at the side of him. And unfortunately, Charlie Adam isn't that player. Like it, it, he he was so frustrating against St. Pauli because he was playing deeper but I mean we, we've we spoken at length about his ability to tackle and the way he gives the ball away from uh, from incredible shots from the halfway line I know you in particular Dave really enjoyed that aspect of Charlie Adams game so it, I, I don't think Imbula's a bad player I don't think he necessarily like disappears after 60 minutes um, but, he, but I th- even I think he can do but I think well I think the same could be said for en- every single player in our team. Like, yeah, I, d- I don't think that's a specific thing. Like, oh, after sixty minutes, Imbula disappears. I think that that's just that's just um, I don't know football. And you've got to think as well. He's barely played for us in the last year. He, I, yeah, I don't know if it's after sixty minutes or is it the fact that Imbula has has got that moment in him. Like, he's got he's he's. I saw it. I think it was Swansea. After the January the first the the end of that season that he joined, I think it was against Swansea, and I was in the stand, literally watching him as as he just didn't run back with defender, and like the, the with the striker, and the striker went on and scored, and it was like if Imbula had continued his run, then it would have been an easy easy block, and and at that point it's like why didn't he do that? I, there, there's I, there is question marks over Imbula because of moments like that, I think. Personally, and 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 the question is: is there is there space for a player, a, a central midfielder, and not a number ten, a central midfielder to be in a Premier League side when you have to rely on another player being there for him mm. to be like a I, good player? D- d- I, like, it's, I mean, you could say the same about Paul Pogba, maybe, but 
He's not Paul Pogba. <laughs> no, no, but I think you could... The, I suppose then from my point is, if you don't play him with that ability to take the ball from back to front, who who are the two midfielders you play who can do that job of defending well, but also getting the ball forward well? Like, because... I mean, I, I, there'd be quest, there's quest in this in this current Stoke team. Who would it be? Therein lies the problem of our midfield in general. We don't have um, we don't have complete midfielders. We have guys who are good at bits of midfielding, but who none of whom really strike me as like oh, really jack of all trades, master of all trades. So mm-hmm. this is this is an inherent problem with midfield. Uh, I don't want to spend too long talking about Mbula purely because, not that you're not raising good points, it's because I don't think Mark Hughes sees a future for Mbula yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that might be the uh, the real issue here. Um, well, in, in which case then, I was going to say, in which case then the question is, does the Fabian Delph, who is linked, does he solve the problem? Because I, I, I don't think... The question I don't is, think no one knows... <laughs> No one knows. I tell you why I can't answer that is because we can't put our we can't put our finger on what precisely the problem is in the midfield, yeah. other yeah. than the fact uh, it's not it, last season it wasn't very good defensively and wasn't very good going forward. The, <laughs> I think that's we just don't, we, our midfield's just not we, very good. Yeah, it's 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 the. It's the same thing we've been saying for two seasons of we've not replaced Nzonzi because Nzonzi, it turns out, is God. Hey, Wizards. Zach the American here, which I imagine you've probably figured out. Um, Yeah, I am pretty nervous about this new season. Uh, We were really bad last year, and we've sold our best attacking player in Arnie. Uh, We've let our best defensive player in Bruno go. Doesn't seem like we're going to get him back. Uh, putting a lot of pressure on players like Shakiri and Zuma and Youth, who are inconsistent, often injured. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think Hughes will have a bad run of results, get sacked in October. Should have probably replaced him with Marco Silva in May. Um, I don't know who is left for options now. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to have the season come back because it'll be great to watch football again. But uh, I think we might be in a relegation scrap and uh, not feeling great about what's coming. Hi everyone, this is part-time Bob Ferris. I'm sat here with Duck Magazine and a brew to give you my 60 seconds. I've, um, well, I'm negative. I'm proper negative, but I also didn't want Pulis back the first time. So my theory is now, always trust Coates. No matter how wrong I think it is, Coates is always good and will always get it right. So, my hopes for this season is that I'm wrong. Everything I feel is wrong, my pessimism is wrong, and we're going to do mint. We'll do really well. Because Coates is right. You've got to keep the faith in Coates. Um, and also, um, I'd like another Brammer hug, like the Sunderland game. Um, that's it. I'm a happy man, apart from that. Give me a brew and a Brammer hug and three points against Arsenal, and I'm golden. Thanks very much. Keep up the good work, lads. Bye. 20 years ago, Stoke moved into their shiny new stadium. We sold our best player, scratched around for bargains on the cheap, hello to you, Paul Stewart, and chaos enveloped the place. We were relegated. 
This preseason, we are about to unveil a shiny new corner, a different corner, if you will, to invoke Wham. We've sold our best player, we don't appear to want to spend a lot of money, and there's a limp, stale feel to everything. Last season's concerns are yet to be addressed. We're still no closer to picking a system, and truth be told, the squad doesn't really suit any system you can think of. The players we're linked to don't offer any clues either. We still look like the slowest team in the league. Moreover, we've had a purge of the old guard, which you can view as some much-needed clearing out of the Deadwood, or you can see it as removing the last vestiges of any testicular fortitude from the squad. Scratching around for positives, it's good to see that we finally look to get some of the academy prospects into the team, and that's something that fans can really get behind, looking at the likes of Edwards, and Goyce, Sobi, etc. But overall, if I can just get biblical on your ass for a second, we look like the arc is only half built, and the flood isn't going to wait for us. There is a lot to put right before the end of the transfer window if we don't want the fearful symmetry of another relegation to mark the stadium's 20th birthday. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I am generally concerned for Stoke City this season. Losing Marko Inatovic and the manner of his departure was frustrating, especially given the fact that he was such a provider and scorer of goals. I don't know where our goals are going to come from this season. I think Berahino can be a good player, but he's simply not shown it as of yet. I think Kurt Zuma is a very wise acquisition. I think he'll bring pace to a defence that has sorely lacked it for some time now. But other than that, our dealings in this transfer window haven't really inspired me. And I don't know if our squad is strong enough this season. So I hope I'm wrong, but I am worried for this season. I'm not exactly optimistic about this new season. I think we're going to finish around the same place, if not lower, if we don't make any signings to replace Arnatovich and strengthen the team generally. Uh, I think we're going to have to rely on players that have not really been proven, like Saito Barahino. I think we're going to start him over Hosselu or Peter Crouch, which I don't agree with, especially the way Hosselu has been playing and the way Barahino has played since he joined. So I don't think we're going to do that well. I think we need a big signing, a Konoplyanka or Yarmolenko, to really freshen up the left side of the team. And if we get that, we might be able to finish ninth again or higher. Maybe we'll win the FA Cup. Who knows? But it's not looking good so far. The midfield is is perhaps leads me perfectly into the next section, which is reasons to be concerned. Um, so on this midfield issue then... In the 3-4-3 he played at Bolton, he played Fletcher alongside Joe Allen um, with no outright number 10 but Shaq and Sobby floating in sort of like the attacking three, if you like. And that seemed all right to me. And uh, if if we do go with three at the back, then I'd be on board with those two as the midfield two. Of course, the Delft question is potentially interesting. I don't know who he comes in for in that too. Um it would but, it would have to be Allen. Have to be Allen. Honestly, looks... I, I think I think Fletcher comes in now as I think he's just from what I know of Michael Carrick, he just seems from what I saw against Bolton, it was just like that Michael Carrick role of just looking like he doesn't run a lot, but he's always there. And he's always there for the pass. He's always there to make a tackle. He's got a great pass. He's always looking forward seemingly. As much as you it's very easy to have a go at players like that and think, oh, they only pass sideways. Like, do they? If you actually watch them, do they? No, Darren Fletcher didn't do that. And I'm not saying Stoke fans are saying that. I, I'm just, I think that's a criticism of Michael Carrick in the past. Um, 
So if you you can't replace him with Delph, can you replace Jarlan with Delph in that system? I think that's more likely. That's that's my point there. But again, I don't really know what Delph is. Much like we didn't know what Joe Allen was, and still don't really. I yeah. don't think. I mean, a lot of these uh, bullet points I have in front of me under reasons to be concerned are kind of interrelated. You've got that issue of don't know what Joe Allen does in the midfield. You've got the midfield kind of feeding into this problem of we don't know what our best system is. So how can we possibly know what our best midfield is when we don't know what formation we're going to be playing? Because my perception of Stoke's best midfield changes depending on how we line up. And it's very difficult to kind of then establish like what our best 11 is. And then you kind of have, have doubts about if Hughes knows what our best side and formation is. And this is the big one for me. This is the real big issue that kind of plagued us throughout the last season. And we kind of didn't stop talking about it on the podcast and it, and it drove people <laughs> up the wall. We don't, we don't know what our best system is. Now, if users manage to work that out over this summer, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not sure that that has happened yet. And of course, you've got the, big, the other big issue of the side... Um, the defence, back three, f- potentially could be what's happening. But Jeff Cameron, really? Are we going to start the season with Jeff Cameron in the centre of defence? And is Ryan Shawcross still good enough? I think Ryan Shawcross is still good enough. But I think what you have seen in recent months is an increasingly unsure Ryan Shawcross. Um, personally, I don't think... I think we'll still be getting Bruno Martins Indy, or or at least another centre back. I think that will be a, that will happen. Maybe not before Everton, but I think that will still ha- that will happen in this window. I can see us going three four three. Like um, we've played it all the way through pre-season, and I know he did last uh, pre-season and then changed the system. But I think that it's been building up. That is how we're going to play this year. It's the popular. Uh, style of play I I would say the, it's as well as the centre backs it's your wing backs as well because there's a real possibility that Mamjouf starts the season at right wing back and whilst he's played really quite alright there um, he, you, you would hope that we'd go for, an, for another right back player the but thing is- you say that, can I pick up on Mamdouf? Because I was going to say him as one of my stars of the preseason. Everyone says this about Mamdouf in such a negative light because he wasn't originally a right wing back, but he's done so well every time. Why Why can't we now consider him a, a, a decent right wing back? It's it's happened before. You look at Antonio Valencia. He was a right winger for probably a lot of, a large period of his career. Now he's moved to right back. People are saying he's the best right back in the league last season. Juf could do that. And he, every time I've seen him, he's done fantastically well. He's certainly the best wing back at the club for me. And this is the other big concern with the defence is not only do we not have the great centre-halves or you, we don't have a settled back three or an ideal back three, rather. We don't have wing backs at all, really. Mm-hmm. Eric Peters is a good left back. He's not a good left wing back. Glenn Johnson, similarly, I have my doubts about him going forward. So that's why I think uh, Mamju is is our best option there for the moment but my the real th- concern is that we don't seem to be addressing this area Tymon doesn't seem like he will be a first choice player or a 
I'm just I'm just baffled by the fact that we're not even linked with anyone in these areas. Surely, if we're if we're playing this system pre-season, then Hughes has designs on using it for at least a good portion of next season. In which case, why are we not signing wing backs? I I think that's a change in philosophy from the club. I think that that's a case of they're genuinely looking at the squad and thinking we have first team players in those positions, even if they're we we see them as rubbish. We've got Eric Peters, we've got Glenn Johnson. Why would we spend money on getting backups when we have Josh Tymon and Tom but, Edwards? Well, and even well, it, and why even buy it, a backup though? Why buy a backup? Buy buy a first choice wing back. But I don't think that I don't think they see that as uh, a thing. I don't like Mark Hughes doesn't think Glenn Johnson needs replacing. Um, mm. I, I I think I think we should I think we should go for a, a first choice for both wing backs, but. I, 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 yeah, I don't know if the if the club sees it that way. I mean, all the evidence points to that. We've had how many seasons saying that Eric Peters has been out of form, and we've not addressed that. I think that they just feel that oh well, he'll he'll come good, or he's doing a good enough job. I think right. you've got you've got to, got to maybe think as well that with Skulls' comments after St. Pauli game um, that we were in for players that. Not every player that we're close to signing or whatever is going to be linked. I, that's my. That's what I tell myself when I go to sleep at night. Anyway, <laughs> you think about Sheridan Shakiri. That was completely off the cards. The first thing we knew about it was he's in the bloody stand. I think from mm. what I, like obviously we've been linked. Then it was off. Then he was in the stand. Like yeah. th- there was no yeah, link yeah, yeah. there yeah. in that aspect of oh we're working behind the scenes. Sheridan Shakiri is really close. That didn't happen. Yeah. So. We, I think, like sometimes it's important to remember that it can come out of the blue, but it hasn't yet, which is worrying. We'll move on to reasons to be cheerful in a moment, but there's just the the final big issue, if you like. Where are the goals going to come from next season? Up front, uh, we've got Sando Berahino, who hasn't scored a competitive goal yet. We've got Peter Crouch, who's 37 and just launching a new career as a XFM DJ or whatever it is. We've lost Marko Natovic, the best chance creator in the team. And Mamjouf is now a wing-back. And <laughs> Josselu, is Josselu going to be the, the saviour? And if so, how on earth did that happen? Probably me just clinging to hope now. But I still think that Berahino will hopefully come good. I mean, I'm basing that on nothing whatsoever. Uh, because... He did like, score pre-season. Yeah, he did. The ball, yeah, the ball but, bounced but, off. Um, um, but what a finish! Yeah, <laughs> I. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because I don't think striker is a position we need to address. Like I don't think what would solve that is buying another striker. Um, we we still have the issue of not creating enough chances. Look, looking at the chance creation, then we obviously have to look at the the players behind the striker. And mm-hmm. with Onatovic gone, in that three-four-three that we've seen this preseason, we've had like the two the two men either side sort of inside forwards, if you like, Shakiri and Sobby were that at Bolton, but Bojan came on for Sobby at Bolton. Are we saying that Bojan and Shakiri have to be those players in that system? From from the evidence that we saw against Bolton, I, I think so, yes. Which yeah. I think kind of spells disaster for Berahina from what we saw then. And from what we, we've had before, I, I don't know if Berahino can work without like a, another striker or someone close to him. I 
it, in my mind, it would kind of be perfect to have Hosolu and, and Berahino as a pair because Hosolu is just so good at taking the ball down whenever it's yeah. literally yeah. pelted at his head. But that's not <laughs> that's not going to happen in, in that formation, I don't think. And so, will is... Berahino succeed? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Chris, you said you don't think we need to buy a striker, and I kind of agree. I think yeah. what we need is a system to accommodate the, the a striker we already have, be it Jocelyn, mm-hmm. be it Berahino, be it Crouch, even. But is the attacking midfield not a, a cause for concern now? Because uh, Bojan and Shakiri uh, as the two inside forwards sounds great on paper, mm-hmm. but Shakiri, of course, very injury prone. Yeah, uh, Bojan, we know that Hughes fell out with him last season kind of he might not be trusted to mm. uh, create chances certainly not in the same way that Marko Nautovic was and we've got we've been linked with uh, Andros Townsend tentative suddenly not reading too much into that we've been linked with Konoplyanka again as a left winger but Konoplyanka I don't think suits being an inside forward I think he's more of a tr- traditional winger which makes me think oh we might not play 3-4-3 three, three then we might play with two proper wingers with Shakiri on one wing Sobby or Konoplyanka on the left in which case why have we been playing 3-4-3 three, three all the time what, what are we doing yeah. <laughs> just, that's got to uh, be the, the position we sign the, it's got to the be. signing of the signing of one player can just instantly like switch the formation yeah. we play or, like uh, um, instantly if we sign Konoplyanka that will tell me that we're not going to play 3-4-3 f- three, three. could be wrong but that, that's just the yeah. impression I get yeah. But at the at the moment, I I think three four three is what he plans to do. So this season, uh, I've got the usual pre-season optimism, but it comes with a lot of ifs. Uh, we'll do well if Berahino gets back to form, if Shakiri stays fit, if Bojan and Sobi realise their potential. But the biggest if is can Hughes find a formation that works and stick with it. If he can't, we'll still be all right. We've got enough quality to scrape by, but he'll probably be out the door. My main hope is that the brick gets behind the team this season because it's been going a bit flat lately. And who knows, if everyone's saying we're crap and we're going to go down, maybe we'll get some siege mentality back. Looking forward to it anyway. Cheers, guys. Hello, I'm Rocky. I'd like to share my thoughts about the transfer window and the up-and-coming new season for Stoke City. There's obviously a new chapter in Stoke uh, as we go into the new season. Big changes in the dressing room. Uh, probably the biggest uh, um, problem we've got is the lack of identity at the moment. I think Stoke as a team and the fans need to find themselves again and show a bit of heart and a bit of courage and we'll be able to get through the, probably what's going to be a, a very tricky start to the, uh, the new season. And hopefully, come Christmas, we'll have uh, a squad that's looking like they can beat anybody in the Premier League. And that's um, you know where we need to be. And hopefully, that's where we'll get. So, um, yeah, good luck in the new season, Stoke. And uh, hope to see you down at the Brit um, for the start of the season. Thanks. I am cautiously optimistic about the new season. I think the first game of the season might turn out to be a great time to play Everton as they adapt to a host of new faces and life without Lukaku, and a result there would really set us up well for the difficult fixtures to follow. As a manager, I like Mark Hughes, but I don't like how he's been running Stoke for the past 18 months. 
and I really think this will prove to be a do-or-die season for him. Vieira has come out in the summer and said that we're sticking with Hughes, but he also accepted that things need to improve, and hopefully that means we'll either have better results uh, and, more importantly, better performances, or a new manager in the coming season. Right now, I think I'd be happy either way. I'm also excited by the prospect of promoting some of our up-and-coming youngsters to the first-team squad. I think I'd be a lot happier with poor results if it was spent forging a youthful crop of talented players for the years to come. Right, we'll move on to reasons to be cheerful because we're just kind of talking <laughs> in circles now uh, about just our, our general worries. Um, re- reasons to be cheerful. Big one for me is that we've upgraded Glenn Whelan in Darren Fletcher, who I really like. Uh, you talked about him before, Ben. Just a really classy, intelligent user of the ball. And Kurt Zuma, I think, also an exciting signing. Uh, Chris, any any other reasons to be cheerful for you? I think Jordan Shakiri is a reason. I think that it, it's a big, big season for him. And I think, again, just going off evidence of pre-season, so it could mean nothing, but I think that he's kind of sees this as the season. He is the main man. Um, I, spe- I, I feel that Hughes is giving him more... Um, and, well, I don't know what the word is fluidity maybe he's allowed to just roam and rather than been restricted out on the right wing i think this will be the season where he go like he is the main creative source um other reasons to be positive i agree with you kurt zuma i think is a great great signing and the, the the inclusion of youth as as worrying or as scary as it is to just be like, oh my god, now we're we're blooding all these youth players at once. I do think that it's quite a an exciting time because you never know they 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 may be absolutely fantastic, or even if one of them's a, a gem who's in our team for another five years, it would be it would be something quite incredible. Um, and other reasons to be positive are oh god, I'm sure there are some, but. I don't know. <laughs> ben, Ben, help him out here. Um, well, it's a new season. Let, let, anything can happen. My brother texted me out of the blue today. He said, I've got a weird feeling that we're going to do great. This is going to be our best season yet in Premier League. And I was like, <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? Um, yeah. And I, I got him negative again. But I, I, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting point, I think, because... <laughs> Because you, you, we literally, we pretend that we know what we're talking about. Realistically, anything can happen come that Everton, Everton game. We could yeah. play them off the park because we've had a great pre-season. Because, mm-hmm. of course, in a pre-season game, you're not going to be playing at your 100% because you don't want to sort of burn yourself out or get injured. So, yeah. I mean, if that's Jordan Shakiri at 75% against Bolton, then I, I can't wait to see him at 100% in, in this season because I think he was fantastic. And, and yeah, I just... We've got to hope yeah. that things will come together. That Hughes has seen the lights. That he's realised that he, he knows. He knows. You can tell he knows that last season was not good enough. So he has to be putting in places. He's got to be working late this pre-season, <laughs> thinking about what can we do to improve things and get back mm-hmm. to the Stoke City that we know and they know and everyone knows that that can play good football. We can do it. Yeah. We've seen it with these players. Except for Marco Anatovic and Eddie Minzonzi. But it's fine. They're not that good. <laughs> I almost think as well that, that um, the fact that everyone is against us, the newspapers and the like have come out with all their uh, predictions for the season. And because we're not predicted to finish as high as possible, some even saying that we're going to be relegated, I, 
I don't know, I kind of think that all worked in our favour because it's it's that, well, look what all these are saying, let's prove them wrong. And the, the, the stubbornness to prove people wrong is a very powerful thing in football. And, it is, uh, it is, it is. I mean, like, I think one of the best things that could have happened in our promotion season was Paddy Power paying out on us yeah, and just being dismissed. Yeah. I think... I think footballers are kind of the kind of emotional creatures we do paint them as sometimes. I think if I were a footballer and I saw that my team had been written off as relegation candidates, I would be bloody determined to prove them wrong, no matter kind of what I, what level of player I was. The best players kind of thrive in adversity. Now, I'm not saying that we're in adversity yet. Uh, we'll talk about where we actually do think we'll finish later on, but... Motivation is massive this season, I think. Motivation, which will obviously have to come from Mark Hughes, and I think Mark Hughes is similarly motivated to uh, create that because he knows his job was under pressure last season. He knows a lot of fans aren't happy, and he knows that the kind of doubts about his own ability have increased massively, massively. If you think where we were two seasons ago... After having just beaten Liverpool six on the last day of the season, Mark Hughes could have uh, Mark Hughes could walk on the River Trent. You know, he was he was he was that kind of messiah figure, and he's he's had one and a half to two seasons of really just going massively off the boil of not only underwhelming results but really underwhelming football. And if we can motivate ourselves to play just any kind of level better than last season. If we can play just with more kind of... I don't want to use the passion word. If we can play with more energy and verve than last season, then then, bang, you've got an instant improvement. If we go yeah. to Everton and even get a draw playing okay, then bang, that's a confidence booster right there. Mm-hmm. A draw at Goodison Park would be great. It, it would set us up and say, like, look, we can compete with really good sides. Everton have spent big money... They're a, they're a tough place to go first up. What a confidence boost that would be. And if we win, you know, bloody hell, all bets are off. So Book the promotion, book the title bus already if we in, win against Exactly, Everton. exactly. So I think being written off could be a really, really good thing for us. And perhaps even the stuff we talked about in kind of the first half hour of the show, of all our doubts about the season, we've got, we've got the ability within the squad, I think, and with potential future additions, maybe we got maybe we make I, the Rock the City signing. Tony Scholes has been kind of yeah. hinting at if we if I, we if we if we got anything at Everton and then made a bloody big signing, you know that that's just mm. the mood of Stoke on Trent just turned yeah. overnight. So um, I think it, you're completely right. It's a case of if we make a star signing, people's moods will change and it's that idea that Mm. at the moment people may predict that we finish in the bottom half of the table but a star signing suddenly oh yeah we're aiming for seventh again it's just so ben you've said it all the time football fans are fickle and like i I think this type of atmosphere shows just that football fans are fickle because it only takes a few good run a few good matches at the start of the season and all those doubts have gone and people are dreaming big again so yeah i i agree Lots of ifs there, lots of ifs, mm. but that's what we live for. Also, if anyone's listening right now and wants to write a complete transcript of this show, send it into the pod and then we can look at it at the end of the season as well. 
do that. Yeah, I, I really, ho- I really hope people haven't uh, switched off after the kind of the first twenty five minutes of negativity yeah. because because suddenly I just feel a bit more energized now. So, um, <laughs> on a kind of related point, then hopes and dreams for the season. Yes. What do you want us to achieve? What would you really like us to achieve within the realms of possibility, if you can? But uh, Chris, what's the biggest thing for you that uh, would constitute a successful season next season? For it to be a successful season, I would like to see the flamboyant football return for us to pick up a shock win somewhere, or at least a win that we can be really, really proud of. And in, in all honesty, I'd like to see us aiming for the for mid-table. I say aiming because I do recognise that there are a lot of teams who are aiming for that 8th to 12th, 13th position. And we'll be in the mix with that and anything can happen in the season. But as long as that's where we're, where we're fighting and not in the relegation battle, that will be a success for me. And in terms of the Cups, I'd like... I'd, again, I'd like to see us do well in a Cup. Um, get quite far in the competition but then again cup games are they're one-offs they're specials aren't they and anything can happen so I I won't hang my hat on us having a good cup run but I'd I'd like that but I think the main thing is we are in the right battle in the table and we have got a bit of a swagger back I see this to be honest I see this as a, a bit of a fresh start for everything just We've got to take the season um, as it comes, really, and 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 not instantly. As soon as it goes bad for maybe a couple of games, um, sort of be like, "Oh, this is this is classic. This is stoke." We've got to hope that Mark Hughes has realised um, his sort of what went wrong last season and, and how to change it. Having said that, the same way um, that I think it's a fresh start is that if it is going horribly for Mark Hughes. I want us to be able to to move on from him this season, which I'm not sure we can if it's going going horribly wrong. That is what I want to see. I want to see us not have the same as last season, where it was looking like, oh, are we going to be in a relegation battle? And then we then we weren't in the end because we had the players like Marco and Altic that we don't have anymore. If we're in that position again, then it's going to be so worrying. And I want to have the faith that we have the ability to to start again with a with a fresh manager. But I don't I don't know if we can. Um, with Mark Hughes at the helm, similar to, to Chris, I, I, I just want to see us have a proper go of it because last season we never had a go of it. I mean, we, we've all had those weeks, those months, maybe even those years where it just never, in life, where it just never seems to get going. And that was exactly what happened with Stoke. Like you, it just never, ever happened for us. So we want something, a point, a period of time where things are going well for us this season, where we can be happy um, to be football fans because that's why why we're here and as, as much as being a football fan of a club isn't about the results because you'll be there regardless of what happens to them um, you've got football is also about having a, a good time and you, no one has a good time losing no one it's, has a good time losing it's, it, it's about to use a kind of hackneyed phrase it's about being able to dare to dream and usually the time where most football fans dare to dream is at this point of the season, a, a week to go before the start, you, you're you really super hyped up and it feels like that's not the case with most Stoke fans. It feels like uh, most Stoke fans have a bit of a downer on our chances this season. So what we want is to reach that point at some point in the season where we like, where we get a tiny bit carried away and because, <laughs> because we didn't, we didn't have that last season at all. Um, for me, what I would like to see Stoke achieve, I want to be able to go to, 
game at the Bet365 and just have a good time. Too many mm. times last season, I was just not enjoying it because yes. we, we were playing poorly and the atmosphere was kind of reaching toxic levels and I just want to be able to go to a game. And even if we <sighs> lose, sometimes, some, yeah, oftentimes we will lose. But I just want to be able to go to a game and just uh, get the sense that we're still Stoke City. We're still uh, a rough and ready uh, provincial club that's kind of scrapping above its weight kind of thing. Yeah. I want I want a sense of that stokeness back. And if we get anything like that back, then bloody hell, we've had a good season. Hi guys, so my thoughts on Stoke going forward then. So I predict that we'll probably think about 13th again. I think we'll... we'll score quite a few goals this season, which I know a lot of people say that we won't, but I think if we play Juf or Hostel up front with Shaq and Bowie on both behind and the two wing-backs getting crosses in, although Peters is shocking at crossing, um, we can get quite a few goals. We've just got to improve defensively. I know Zuma's come in, so obviously Zuma could definitely help us improve defensively, but Shawcross needs to step up because he's been shocking for at least the last season. Um I'm looking forward to seeing Valinden and Ngoy in the, in the first team. I think they're both dynamic and they are the future of our football club. I'm looking forward to seeing Tyrese Campbell come through as well because I think he looks like a young Lukaku. And then finally, yeah, the, the stadium upgrades look incredible. So um, them two new screens look amazing. Um, just got to get through that tough first start and then we'll run away, basically. I think uh, looking forward to the season ahead, it's... It's really difficult unless something changes in the next week or two to see us doing anything other than repeating last season's mid-table. I can't see, uh, after losing three or four first-team players, um, which is a real shock to to most Stoke fans, we haven't seen that for a long time, Uh, I can't see us doing doing any better. Obviously, we, we really need to replace Arnie, although I wouldn't mind seeing Ramadan coming in. I think he could do a job, but then we've got no cover then for, for you know Shaq, who's made a paper at times. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic about the season ahead, but I just can't see us doing anything other than, you know, mid-table. I can't see us getting in the in the top ten, really. I don't think we've addressed the, the problems that we had last season. We still don't know who the midfield three are. We still don't know who the lead striker is. So... Uh, uh, same again, I think, unfortunately. This is Wyatt from Portland, Oregon. Just want to say a big fan of the pod and keep it up, you guys. Um, as far as optimism, want to stay hopeful, but it's really easy to get negative. Um, still can't sign Bruno. Uh, don't know what's happening with Mbula. Uh, Shakiri is our star player, and he has a history of being injury-prone. Uh, there's the whole thing with the snake, and Barahinos are supposed to be our goal scorer, but he's not scoring goals, so... Um, lately, Holstel has been great, um, and hopefully he ends up getting some playing time by Mark Hughes, but doubt it. And But if he does, I think we need to play two up top rather than having a lone striker, and I think that's been our big issue. So um, hopefully we go to Everton and snag three points and have a good start to the season. Yeah, so I'd like our predictions for uh, our Premier League position, our top goal scorer in all competitions, and what round we reach in the FA Cup and EFL Cup. So we'll start with EFL Cup. We'll get the uh, lowest ranked competitions out of the way. How do you think we'll do in the EFL Cup, Ben? I think we will get to the fourth round and be knocked out by 
a decent Premier League side. So it would be acceptable. Chris? I think we will get to the quarterfinals. Um, and like Ben says, I think we will then be knocked out on a cold night at home to a decent side. Mm. I think we will get to the third round. FA Cup, FA Cup, Ben, uh, do you see a similar scenario happening in that competition? I think I think in the FA Cup, because we're a bit more up for it, never won the FA Cup, the players are going to be up for it. We're going to reach the quarter-final and heartbreakingly go out thanks to a Marko Anatovic handball oh, goal. Oh, no! no you, Why oh. would you do that? What the hell did you say that for? <laughs> You've said he said it now. It's going to happen. Oh, God's sake! Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, I'm sad oh. again. <laughs> God. Chris, Chris, tell me we're going to win it. Oh, I can't, I can't do that because I think that we'll go out in the fourth round to like uh, an <laughs> Albion or something. <laughs> I think, I think it'll be it, a, a typical FA Cup performance from Stoke, where we just, yeah, we just slip up on the day. I think I need to say this now. I'm going to say it, lads. Oh, no. We, we're going to get to the fifth round of the FA yeah. Cup. Come on. Quarterfinals Come as well. On. I think we'll go out to whoever the fairy tale team is in this uh, year's competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon Forest Green Rovers <sighs> might have a vegan-powered cup run. So uh, <laughs> that that will be our embarrassing, day, uh, our embarrassing day of the season. But we'll, we'll use that to inspire us in the league, maybe. Uh, right. Our top goal scorer. Ben, who is our top goal scorer going to be next season? I think it's going to be shock horror, a low scoring affair. I'm going to go for Jordan mm-hmm. Shakiri. Ooh. Not not a great goal scorer, but a scorer of great goals. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe he'll have to add tappings to his game to uh, to take that award, but probably not that very many. Chris. I, I genuinely think our top goal scorer will end up being Peter Crouch. That's all right. right. He's going to score yeah. twenty. That's no, fine. No, but but <laughs> what it, what it means is that we'll get to you know we've spoke about oh will Sido make it? No. Will Yosselu? No. We'll put Peter Crouch in and he'll be old reliable. If thirty-seven-year-old Peter Crouch is our top goal scorer next season, I will be perplexed. And depending on how many he scores, pleasantly surprised. It, yeah, it comes down to how many he scores. Because if he scores 25, like nobody cares how old he is. Um, but yeah, he was our top goal scorer in all competitions last season, thanks to a hat-trick at Stevenage, essentially. That's what swung it for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show some faith in Saido Berahino and say him. I think he will be... Uh, it, it's the uh, common cliche. He just needs one to go in off his backside. And if that happens at Everton, he's going to score 35 this season. He's going to oh be fantastic. Gosh. You just watch. Um, right, this is the big one. Um, where, are we, where are we going to finish in the league? Chris? Uh, I think we are going to finish 11th. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, now, just for, just for some context, the Racing Post said we'd finish 18th. 442's yeah. pre-season prediction said 15th when Saturday comes said 13th and most have, have pitched us in the kind of 12th to 15th bracket um, but but 11th is 
is an improvement on last season. I think that's a fairly optimistic prediction. But I don't know uh, what Ben has has got lined up. Uh, mine's fairly run of the mill, to be honest. I'm, I'm going to go for 14th. As a, a, an undescript 14th. I think we're going to finish 12th, uh, which is boring, but an improvement on last season. I think we're kind of in agreement that we're not really bothered what the actual league position is, uh, so long as we uh, show something about us next season that indicates we're heading in the right direction. So that's it. That's our preview for the season done. Those are our predictions uh, for next season. They will undoubtedly be entirely wrong. Uh, But this being the Wizards of Drivel, yeah, no, they will be entirely wrong. Um, (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. If you could head over to the wizardsofdrivel.com, you'll see that we are posting up blogs more regularly in the lead-up to the season. Facebook.com slash wizardsofdrivel, Twitter.com slash wizardsofdrivel. We've got to thank Devonier again for their fantastic theme tune. And of course... If you want to really just be a great guy and help us out, you can either leave a five-star review on iTunes or you can contribute a small amount of money per month to our Patreon page, which helps support the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dave. And let's hope for a good season. Yes. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Dave. Right. Here we go, then. Once more into the breach. Go on, Stoke. Stoke.